the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And um, hope you had a great weekend, everybody. I did myself, did some family stuff, and actually took it really easy on Saturday. Haven't done that in a while. Did almost nothing. It was uh, great. And uh, a couple great guests today. A new, totally new um Two totally, two totally new people to the program. One, Dr. Jane Orient is the executive director of uh, the APPS. It's called the Association of American uh, Physicians and Surgeons, APPS. It's kind of a conservative version of the American Medical Association. And she's going to talk with us. We're going to talk about uh, Dr. Zelenko, who passed away stunningly to me. The guy is um, only in his late 40s, um, had cancer, which nobody, I didn't know, wasn't publicly known. Anyway, we'll talk with her about him uh, because he was one of the trailblazers during the COVID fight. And then we'll talk with Cheryl Chumley. Cheryl Chumley is over at the Washington Times, the, the online editor for the opinion page there, which nowadays... Your online presence, especially on opinion, is where the action is. So that's about kind of a big job. And we'll talk with her. She's got a piece that says Trump's got to run in 2024 because he's got to stop the madness, especially of the liberal world order. So we'll talk with a new guest, Cheryl Chumley, in a few moments. But first, what you need to know today, and please visit ProAmericaReport.com, sign up for the daily email. Uh, but what you need to know today, there was a piece uh, that ran on Monday in Politico, And there have been increasing numbers of articles all across all different media about the power of big tech to track us um, to there was, I think, a piece on Google uh, that that Google Maps has the ability to track us and all. But the piece in Politico, uh, which was interesting to look at, uh, an interesting headline that caught my eye was Homeland Security records show, quote, shocking, end quote, use of phone data, ACLU says. So. What you need to know is the ACLU has become pretty much useless. I mean, whether they ever were actually interested in civil liberties, they're not working on it now. They're just a shill for one side or the other. Uh, When history is written about this time, I believe that one thing that um, Trump did was he sort of he, he smoked out a lot of the the people who were not being serious and playing, a, you know, they, they said they were all oh, we're just in this for the right reasons. They were in it for politics and power and money. And the ACLU raises a ton of money and they are really they show themselves to be really shills for whoever pays, whoever's got influence. Remember, they're the ones that were Amber Heard uh, pledged to give them a bunch of money. I forget how it was done. If, if she gave a bunch of money, if they would write an op-ed for her, but basically they were on her side because she was a woman and liberal. That's my read of it. I don't know the details except to say, I don't think anybody thinks the ACLU is too serious anymore. They're not leading. And there's a whole bunch of sort of civil liberties groups that have popped up that actually do the work. And the best exa- the best way for me to say that is I, I just look at a guy like Glenn Greenwald, who I don't agree with on a bunch of politics. I agree with him on some, but, and he said the ACLU is not, um, 
not doing its job like it was designed to. So here we now have the ACLU and they're shocked, shocked, I say, that Homeland Security is using records to, uh, of phone data. Now, were they shocked, shocked that the FBI did all the things they did to Trump? Were they shocked, shocked that the FBI did what they did or anybody did to the January 6th? Were they shocked about anything? No. And here's the reason. You have to read two thirds of the way through this article to get to the point to realize that the use of the phone data is on illegal immigrants, illegals, and the, and the uh, people who are, are assisting the illegals. It's not on you and me. It's not. Remember when Rand Paul was lied to? Was he lied to by? He was either lied to by uh, John Brennan or Clapper. I think maybe it was. I don't know which one of those two. They, he, they, he said, are you guys looking at Americans? And they, they, the one of them lied to him and then later had to admit that they didn't. I mean, what are we not seeing? What do we not know that the government is watching us on? Probably everything, right? I just assume that. But the idea that the ACLU is objecting strenuously to the use of phone data in this case says everything you need to know about the ACLU because they're not seriously objecting to the problem. They're not seriously objecting to the power of big tech, the power of the uh, of big media, the power of big government. It doesn't seem like they're objecting to any of that. Well, and maybe they are, but only in this narrow case, because why? Because it's about illegal immigration. And they say how it's targeting people about uh, on illegal immigration. And, This is an example of what I think is now going to be in this time in history. If there's a history, if there's an honest history that's ever written, it will be written about groups like the ACLU and Brookings Institution over the same. Let me tie this together. Over the weekend, another article, I think it was in the New York Times or somewhere, but it was about how the Center for American Progress, which was a think tank started during the Obama era, funded during the Obama era to run the left and run all the pay all the people to be, you know, that were in the administration in and out, in and out, in and out. And the, and the Center for American Progress, it was at one point, it was like all the players um, that that were you would think of in, in the liberal uh, um, universe were in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, all that. He was fa- founded by Podesta, John Podesta. I guess it was founded actually in 2003. And uh, but it's now run by Patrick Gaspard, who was a uh, uh, Obama person. And he was recently he was the president of Open Society, the Soros thing. He was also in Hillary's campaign. You know, everybody that was the heads of it, all the people that have been the heads of it are are the insiders on the left. Well, someone who is a pretty Rudy Texieri, who's a pretty liberal guy, he left there because he said you can't deal with the woke stuff. He said the woke stuff's out of control. You just can't you can't even function there. So he's leaving, going to AEI, American Enterprise Institute, which is kind of libertarian leaning and is libertarian leaning. And because he can at least you can have your uh, at least you can say and do what you want there. By the way, Center for American Progress, they raised fifty one million dollars in twenty seventeen. That's the last year it's reported. This is just a racket, right? It's a big racket. So but but back to my point. The ACLU, Center for American Progress, they all become broken over time. Why? Money. You can say the same, by the way, about some of the ones on the right. I would say that Heritage Foundation has escaped that right now because of the new guy that's there, Kevin Roberts. He seems to be taking the thing more energetic, but it's, it's been stalled. 
I think you can look at like Cato Institute. They've had some problems. What happens is at a certain point, the need for money and the dominance often of one or two donors starts to play havoc with the commitment of, of staying true. But the ACLU is it's one of the less reputable now. It was always liberal, right? But it was reputable. It was sort of, it was sort of um, sincere. I remember the book, you know, there's a book out that uh, before Sidney Powell was uh, so, so uh, attacked by everyone, she wrote a book with um, uh, a professor um, on criminal justice. And uh, I forget for, because Sidney Powell, of course, is a great defense, um, a, a defense lawyer. And she, uh, so she wrote a book with a, a liberal, a, a liberal um, professor about the system, the justice system and how problematic it was and worries she had about it. And so my point is that there have been people that are writing on that, that have been sincere about the, the issues uh, that'll cross paths. I mean, excuse me, cross parties uh, because, oh, it's Sydney yeah, Harvey Silvergate, Harvey Silvergate is called conviction machine standing up to federal pr- prosecutorial abuse. He's a liberal. And that was what ACLU used to do. And now the ACLU has f- fallen so far that their big objection to surveying data and sweeping our phones and using abusing our privacy is as to immigration, illegal immigration. It's just so transparently clear. It's so transparent, say it better, that the ACLU is broken. Because here's the thing. I know this will get my, some of my libertarian, my civil liberties friends up in arms. I'm happy to have anybody using any data to stop illegal immigration because I think it's a threat to the country, a major threat. All right, that's what you need to know. We got to take a break. We'll come back with Cheryl Chumley from Washington Times and Dr. Jane Orient. We'll take a break. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I read an article, a column over the weekend, and I love the way things work in the world now, social media and things. I went on social media and uh, Cheryl Chumley is the author. She writes over at the Washington Times and also CherylChumley.com is her site. You can see a lot of her different writings and, and things archived there. And, and so, but she also, she keeps her direct messages open on Twitter. So I could uh, ping her and say, hey, want to come on the show? Because her column is Donald Trump for president in 2024, when a lot of the commentators, even the conservatives are doing this dance that feels a lot like 2015 and 2016. 16 things like oh maybe people will find trump too rough and too coarse and they're tired and all and here comes cheryl chumley so welcome cheryl chumley to the program thank you for joining me it's great to be with you thank you for having me first what's the re- what was the reaction i think even the washington times had some commentators even maybe an edit uh, an editorial uh, that trump should stop or maybe i don't know what's the reaction been to your column yeah, it, Trump is divisive, right? He always yeah. has been. Yep. Uh, so the the reaction to my piece has been just as divisive. It's been about <laughs> 50-50, for and against. But, uh-huh. you know, that's America. Everybody has a right to their own opinion. And being a conservative, I don't want to shut anybody's opinion down. Right. Um, Cheryl Chumley, now let me just say, you sound like you have a little bit of an accent. Where are you from? Are you a New Yorker? Do you recognize? Oh, uh, uh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Massachusetts. 
Massachusetts originally, okay. but I thought I long ago lost it in radio. I guess not. No, no, I can hear it a little bit. Massachusetts. Okay. Well, I, cause I was going to say sometimes I grew up in New Jersey and sometimes I tell people if you're from Jersey, New York, probably Massachusetts, there's a, there's a similar enough thing, you, but a Jersey, especially, you know, a Jersey blowhard and you know yeah. exactly what they are. And so you look at Trump and you say, I and, and actually you sort of say, there's a million of those. This guy actually delivers, right? So they, this, that's one of the differences. He, he still is a, a Jersey blowhard, New York blowhard, whatever, but it's, he delivers a lot. And so, but uh, Cheryl, one of the things in the column that you seized upon was this liberal world order and the fact that Trump, uh, among other things he's taken on, the establishment in the Republican Party, you know, some of the conservatives on issues like uh, criminal justice reform. I wasn't a big fan of some of the scope of that effort, right? All these different, even LGBT, he's kind of actually, you know, probably better than any Democrat in terms of the international stuff. But on the the global issue, he you honed in on that. Walk me through how important you think that is and why Trump should run. Well, because that's the key peril facing America right now, right? There's all the, these little battles going on in the political world. The LGBTQ agenda, that's a big problem. The, the public school system is being infiltrated by socialists. That's a problem. And these are all things that need to be fought. But the real peril to America is that the global agenda, the Great Reset type of gen- agenda that I'm sure your listeners are yeah, aware of, sure. it's been in the works for years and years and and years, decades even. But there was never a time in history where America had a president that was so weak that everything just lined up in place that America faced such a peril from this globalist movement. And this is where we're at now. And if we can survive the next couple of years of Joe Biden selling out America to Chinese influences, to uh, World Economic Forum and World Health Organization influences, then we need a president who can come in, recognize this globalist peril and take immediate strong actions to swing the pendulum back the other way. And Trump will name that peril and he will fight it effectively. Do you think, um, do you think, I, I, I mean, Trump, I, so I had on the program a few, maybe a month ago, uh, someone who's a close observer of the UN. And he said, you know, Trump was just turning the thing around um, and then he was gone and everything sort of lurched back in terms of the dynamic at the UN. I, I won't go into the details, but um, Trump certainly changed the one major party. The Republican Party used to have to be, I mean, I was on the RNC 2013 through 2015, I think. And you, there was only three or four of us that were against multilateral trade deals. You know, that was it. Everybody had to be for TPP because it was good for the economy. He changed us on that. He, I mean, the Republican Party. Um, did he do enough in one term to change the dynamic? Or are you saying it's just been rolled? I mean, I, I think what you're saying is it's, it's worse than it could have been because of all these uh, forces and Biden's weakness. Is that right? I, I, in a way, yes. I, I think the the deep state that Trump called out, right, which mm-hmm. is, you, is another way of talking about the globalists, the people who would willingly sell out America for their own ambitions to work with the global forces, the globalists, the elitists in certain aspects of the government, 
governments of the world, right? They had been quietly working behind the scenes. And, you know, most Americans were unaware of the influences. And if you talked about them or brought them up, you were labeled as a conspiracy theorist. Trump came along and he outed some of these cockroaches by name. And so they were they were swept out of their dark corners and forced to acknowledge their deep state designs and their globalist interests. And so they felt like they had nothing to lose. And so they fought and fought and fought more openly and harder because Trump was a big threat about naming and refusing to play into the games of the deep state globalist forces. I mean, Trump took on uh, the World Economic Forum and China and the UN directly head to head and mm. openly. And that's what they can't stand. They need to they need the darkness to be able to advance their designs. So under Biden, of course, Biden first off is a puppet and he's weak. And whether he agrees with the globalist agenda or not doesn't matter because he's too weak to stand strong for America. So they know their time is tight. They know the globalists, when I say they, the globalists know they only have a certain amount of time to accomplish uh, a crumbling of America and bringing us to a point of no return. Because even if Trump isn't the next president, the next Republican president, will at least fight some of these forces. Uh, we're talking with Cheryl Chumley. Her, her piece is over at the Washington Times on why Donald Trump should run 2024. And uh, CherylChumley.com, you can go to, and I'll put it up on social media. Is um, So the, the, the forces now, I, I'm trying to think of how uh, interesting, I mean, to describe it, the, the, his the opponents of Trump, because the neocon movement and, and maybe just call it the, the military industrial complex, forget about the neocon part of it, that just needs to have a, a, a war and pumps money into that, uh, that economy and keeps going. It's very, very effective. As, as uh, somebody was saying, congratulations, they were able to increase the Biden budget um, over what he wanted in, in spending in the Defense Department by another 40 or 47 billion or something. So uh, that plus the real liberals who really don't want, you know, they want the internationalist order. They want less of the sort of conservative American uh, values. So they're put together. That's And then Wall Street, which wants the Chinese profits. You know, I always I always cite, uh, Cheryl, there was a book, The Walmart Effect. One of the chapters was on big city mayors who realized they didn't have any money to give to the uh, Democrat machine, the workers. So they gave them big pensions. They knew what they would come do when they were gone. And I always tell Wall Street, these guys are selling out to China because they're making money now. They'll be long gone by the time the whole thing collapses. But all that being said, that's I don't think they'll let him win, M- meaning they'll unite against uh, against Trump politically. I'm not even talking about whether they'll cheat or not. Um, and they're doing it now, aren't they? I mean, you're seeing the wholesale participation of the big media, big tech and big government in this January 6th thing, which is just a fraud and, and, a, and, and, and just silly. But very few protestations, right? There's not a lot of you're not seeing Wall Street CEOs or anyone saying this is a, don't do this. Everybody's just sitting back and letting the beating go because I think they're uniting to stop Trump. I agree 100 percent. And here's what's even worse. When you figure in the force of big pharma and the successes that 
those partnerships have seen over the last couple of years of stealing individual American liberties, closing churches for crying out loud by government dictate. That was something that astonished me over the last couple of years of the coronavirus crazy that we suffered in America. But right. the left is not going to let that go. And you can watch the, the news and hear the narrative and read the narrative of the same players that forced us into a complete shutdown, not just America, but the entire world based on fears of the coronavirus, you can see those same messages and narratives popping now, whether it's with monkeypox or the sub-variant BA5 or whatever it is from the coronavirus, and the, the push for more vaccines. You can read Bill Gates's recent book, How to Beat the Next Pandemic, and read his uh, recent remarks about how we are headed back into a similar situation that we saw under the coronavirus. And you can see that these players that picture the world as a chessboard and you can see them all moving across the board to create this same situation that we had going into the elections that brought us Joe Biden in the first place and had everybody fearful of going to the voting polls and staying home and doing mail-in balloting and absentee balloting. So we're getting this same sort of hysterical situation drummed up again and adding to all that you just described. I agree 100%. Trump is their worst case scenario because he's the only guy who can effectively fight off all these forces at once with any type of effectiveness. Cheryl Chumley is our guest. Uh, she writes over at the Washington Times and also her own website, CherylChumley.com. Lots of writing there. Um, Cheryl, the one problem I see and, and uh, the piece that the, the title of the piece, which is uh, fantastic and fun. And, and you said, I'm sure it's getting a ton of attention. Donald Trump for president in 2024 lays out why he, he we need him to run. But he, a different question, because um, we're going to see elections in the fall. And I think the momentum is so away from uh, Democrats that they're going to lose the House and Senate. So we're going to have some new prominent Republicans that will take will be uh, either on TV if they're um, picking a fight or their speaker of the House or whatever. Um, do you see and do you think it's possible um, or maybe say likely? Do you see any? And then do you think it's likely that some will emerge that that have Trump's um, not just his positions. I think that's developing. You see that, but his sort of fighting style. I mean, there's been a lot of coverage of JD Vance and Blake masters and some of these folks, but you know, it, there's nobody like him. I tell people DeSantis is interesting and I know I'm a little bit, but th- it's not like Trump. I mean, this is a guy that's sort of trained to fight in this arena his whole life, but do you see others rising? Do you have hope? Because I don't know if he can do it alone. Yeah, I do see governor Ron DeSantis, uh, being pretty much a fighter, a bulldog standing strong. And, and look, he, he beat back, uh, a lot of criticisms when he opened Florida and he stood strong on that. And he's standing strong on bills that remove some of the horrific LGBTQ transgender agenda from public schools. So he has a record and he seems to have, uh, the same sort of, sort of bulldog stance of fighting back and beating back these far leftist forces. So I I do look with optimism to him, but he's a lot younger guy. There's time for him. We Mm -hmm. need Trump, and then we need to line up (laughs) someone else after Trump for the next eight years to continue the motion of that pendulum swinging America back to sanity. 
It's um, boy, I, I, I'm sure you watched it closely, though. One last uh, comment and your response The in 15 and 16, a lot of the same forces were saying, oh, you just can't do this. Trump is going to be too. He doesn't you know, he does. He drives people away, blah, blah, blah. And um, my, my old boss, the late Phyllis Schlafly, she just would chuckle and say, yeah, but he knows how to fight and uh, he knows how to do it in this arena. And, but they're lining up again like they did in 15 and 16. I think they're under again, they're they're underestimating him. Yeah, this is the inside the the Beltway bubble versus the regular normal people. And, you know, it was always very frustrating to me to hear uh, conservatives, and and especially Christian conservatives, uh, wail about Donald Trump's Twitter feed as the big offense. And yet he did so many things for the Judeo-Christian principles of America, for Israel and so forth. The Supreme Court, for crying out loud, Roe v. Wade is due in large part to him. Mm -hmm. And yet the Twitter feed was the big offense. Yeah, no, it is. You're right. And I think uh, I, I, I will I will tell you that one story when someone came up to the late Phyllis Schlafly, who was known as sort of being, you know, very proper and put together and, you know, you didn't see her hair at a place and she was always dressed to the to the nines. And someone came up and said, but but Phyllis, you, you're backing Trump, but he's so coarse. And Phyllis, with a big smile, said it's kind of a coarse culture, isn't it? I mean, you know, you got, you got, it's true, right? I mean, you're going to talk in this, you're going to play this game at this level. You know, they don't, we, we don't elect pastors, right? I mean, we don't, you know, you don't, we don't elect, uh, you know, school moms. I mean, it's going to be fighters. So anyway, all right, Cheryl Chumley, uh, Cheryl Chumley.com at Washington Times. Thank you for taking the time to be with me. Thank you so much. All right, we'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, I'll put all of uh, Cheryl, I'll put the column of Cheryl's up there on uh, social media and also her website, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And for I, probably a week now, I've been looking forward uh, to speaking with our next guest um, about, and I've talked about on the show, about uh, Dr. Zev Zelenko, uh, who passed away. I, and, and when I heard, saw the news the first time, as my listeners know, uh, Dr. Ori and I, I kind of I, I, sh- I jumped because I didn't know he was sick. I had never seen coverage that he had had cancer. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, he's not a, not not that old. And I was stunned. So um, we'll, we'll talk more about him. But our, our guest uh, is Dr. Jane Orient. And Dr. Orient is an internal medicine physician, uh, but is importantly, in this case, the executive director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. Um, and in that capacity has, is a national leader, I would say, speaking with um, more conservative physicians. Uh, one way to say it, uh, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons has its history as a something of an alternative to some of the other associations that are more liberal, say that way. And so welcome, Dr. Orion. First of all, how are you? Thank you, Ed. It's great to be talking to you. So um, the, Dr. Zelenko, did you know him before he sort of became famous in the in the pandemic era? No, I had never heard of him, but he came on the scene, I think, providentially. Yeah. He had a very aggressive, rare cancer, huh. a metastatic sarcoma, hmm. and was expected to die a long time ago. And he thinks, or he, he said that he credited God with saving his life, huh. or at least prolonging his life, so that he could do this very, very special work. He was really the first to come to my attention to come out with a protocol for treating patients with COVID early in the outpatient department with long-established safe drugs. And I believe he saved 
many thousands, maybe millions of lives because he had the courage to present this and to actually treat patients despite the fact that he was vilified by colleagues, by organized medicine, by academics, despite the fact that his patients were getting well and their patients that they had refused to treat were ending up in the hospital or dead. Um, we're talking with Dr. Jane Orion again. She's executive director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, has a view that for from that or, uh, association of, of, across the country and herself, an internal medicine physician. So Dr. Zelenko, one of the things about it that was so strange so quickly is they attacked him with all the wrong uh, all the wrong measurements. I mean, they, they said, well, uh, that it's not going to work for people in the hospital. I don't, he was never, he was saying he had put, so he had, it, it was he himself an internal medicine physician. Or was that his background? I think he was a family doctor, family doctor. Yeah. Okay. So, so he's somebody, a family doctor, internal medicine physicians, a lot, uh, they're caring for people where they are usually in a community, usually, you know, whatever. And he was in a smaller town. So he comes up with this, what was termed a cocktail, um, did you, well, did you get to know him well over the time that he was sort of nationally known? I don't think I ever knew him personally. I was oh. just following him huh. and looking at carefully at the advice that mm-hmm. he put out. I mean, he had the opportunity to even get to president Trump. Yeah. Unfortunately, president Trump did not follow up on this. And that was, I think his biggest failure, um, to go what? with all the lockdowns and so on instead of with making people well. Well, and we're seeing like Dr. Burks in her new book has admitted that she was lying about um, and she had to lie about certain aspects to try to keep getting to the goals she wanted. I and mean, that's what she's saying. Again, follow the science is somebody's lying to us. But so Dr. Zelenko, though, what what exactly was his insight? If you could describe what he what he saw when you're as a doctor, when you looked at it, you said, um, oh, OK, I see what he's doing. And, and why do you think it was why do you think it worked or works? I think that in medicine, we always emphasize early treatment for everything, cancer, infections, sepsis. uh, Mm -hmm. Early treatment is much more likely to be successful, except for COVID-19. And then they say, well, don't bother us. There's nothing to do. Come to the hospital if you're turning blue and maybe we'll be able to save you or put you on a ventilator anyway. But he had the insight that we should treat this the way we treat other illnesses. He had the courage to stand up against this, this uh, dogma that, that there's nothing that helps viruses. Well, there is all kinds of evidence in the literature of things that do help viral illnesses. And hydroxychloroquine is one of them. There's been evidence in the literature going all the way back to 2004 or 2005 There's evidence that azithromycin, one of the most commonly used antibiotics, helps viral illnesses. So why not try early a combination of drugs that there's there's laboratory evidence and there is logic to suggest that they might work. Why not give the sick patient a try? I mean, we've used hydroxychloroquine for 65, 70 years Mm -hmm. for prophylaxis for malaria, given it to persons of all ages. It's used in Africa widely. It's called the Sunday, Sunday medicine that everybody takes on Sunday (laughs) to help prevent malaria. Right. And Africans have done much better than anybody else with Um, regard to COVID. 
Do you think do, do does will will they? So I, when I was looking this up, and again we're we're talking about uh, um, Dr. Zev Zelenko, and we're we're talking with Jane Orion, uh, uh, who would be um, I'd say again I'd say an observer, a, a, a familiar across the country with with lots and lots of physicians and lots of practices, and lots going on. Um, did did his they attacked him right away and they attacked him uh, quickly with all kinds of things about one of them. I when I was reading up on him, the uh, New York times was saying, well, he, he claimed he had an FDA study. And of course he then said, it's so funny to see him. Someone like this talk, but he's like, well, actually I, maybe I misspoke, but he's like, it was approved by the hospital. And I talked to Scott Hahn who ran the, in the government at the time. He's like, you know, so it's not like I was just out there. Did, did his, did his approach become, accepted by doctors who saw it or was it so quickly attacked that doctors stay scared of it? Oh, I think it was so quickly attacked. And there was a, a, an effort by the FDA and by the government going down through medical societies and medical boards to suppress this treatment. And if you look at uh, Robert uh, Kennedy's book on the real Anthony Fauci, it talks about all of these, all of these rehearsals, these pandemic planning that have been going on for quite a long time. And one of the aspects of these planning scenarios was to suppress early treatment Hmm. and suppress people who who talked about it on social media or in the literature, which which is just really, really peculiar. Why would anybody do that? Hmm. Do you, um, again, Dr. Jane Orion is who we're talking to, and we're talking about uh, Zev Zelenko in general. So, so he, he tried to be a voice on something he saw working, and they tried to shoot him down, but it still grew. I mean, people still got the word out. Um, did, has anyone yet been able to test it? I mean, can we prove, can someone say definitively? I, mean, I think he was saying up until the time he died, which is amazing. Again, he was so young. He was saying, look, I, I know how I prove my things. My patients got better. My patients are, you know, this is what I'm seeing the effect. That's how I, but is anybody going to figure out if it's legit or are we just supposed to move on? Oh, look, there are hundreds of studies in the world literature about uh-huh. hydroxychloroquine, about ivermectin, about a whole long list of other other repurposed drugs on c19study.com and they don't all reach the level of a randomized double blind controlled study i mean how are you going to do that with a new with a new illness but there are some like that that are in there it's not a magic cure it needs to be given early in the proper dosage in combination and but almost all of this, virtually all the studies, except the ones that were fabricated or that overdosed really sick patients, showed at least some benefit. And the chance that all of these were wrong is infinitesimally small. Um, again, yet, not, yeah, keep going. Sorry, please. Yeah, the academics want to, to denounce this, and even if for a long time it peculiar even in medical society meetings they're saying that we need evidence-based medicine but you must disregard the evidence of your own eyes and ears Hmm. i mean throughout history science is based on observations of the real world by real people and we're being told to disregard this doesn't matter how your patients are doing you have to look at things in the literature that are funded by the nih in collaboration with big pharma and disregard everything else. So Dr. Zelenko said, 
my patients are getting well because, oh, you can't believe him. He's just a doctor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's just a far. He's just a uh, he's just a doctor in practice. Uh, how will um, he be remembered? It will. I mean, as you say, I mean, history is written by the winners and probably some of the um, the forces that that um, he disagreed with, you know, seem to be winning still. Do, will people do you think he'll be a marker uh, that people will look back and say, see that or how do you how would you describe it? I think that he is a hero and that if he's not recognized by history, that it's, it's just uh, corruption and conflicts of interest that, that caused that. I mean, most medical advances occur because of the insight. I believe in his case, divinely inspired, inspired insight into something that was sitting. It's obvious it's sitting in people's faces and they don't see it, but this doctor does and he acts on it and he really deserves a place, a place of honor, as well as in the hearts of all these people whose lives he saved. It's um, I think um, so many, I, there's so many people that uh, tell me that um, uh, and, and there are enough doctors that uh, code on. Well, um, I, I guess one last thing, do you have any, how do you think, and, and the, again, the association of American physicians and surgeons, lots of members and lots of cloud its own way. How do how do, how do you, um, how do we avoid getting rolled by the, the the science of the government scientists again is there i mean it feels like it worked i mean i hate to be negative feels like they won that right i mean how do we how do we beat that back the next time i think the problem is a pervasive and very fundamental one is that medicine is now has been bought that Mm -hmm. doctors not very many doctors have independent practices they may be outright employed by the hospital cartel or the managed care cartel or They are bound by contracts to these managed care companies that will dictate how many patients they must treat or can treat, what protocols they may use, or also get kicked off the panel and lose their source of income. And we really need to restore independent physicians who can follow the ethic of Hippocrates to do the best they can for each individual patient instead of for the bottom line of the government like Medicare or Medicaid or the big corporation. Yeah, uh, that's the, I think that is, um, I didn't reveal my big reveal on this. Dr. Orion is my wife is an internal medicine physician. And what you just said is just what she will say at the dinner table almost every day, that the influence of the money in the big hospitals and the big, I mean, it's just, it's dominated, you know, the whole medical system has been skewed uh, by the, uh, by that influence. So uh, Dr. Jane Orion, thank you very much. I'll put up on social media. She's the executive director of uh, the association of American physicians and surgeons. You can find out more there. There's a nice press release too. I noticed uh, uh, from on that website about Dr. Zev Zelensky, which is nice and has lots of context. So we'll link to that too. Uh, thanks very much, ma'am. My pleasure. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. And don't forget when you uh, want to find all these documents, I'll put them over there on uh, proamericareport.com and uh, you can get them linked there. And this segment again, I think uh, my, my point, it's a few weeks now already since he passed away, was an uh, extraordinary man who, Dr. Zev Zelensky, who uh, p- uh, put his head up and, and uh, stuck, his, uh, stuck his neck out for his patients, uh, which was really extraordinary. So we'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Recently, Donald Trump held the biggest rally in Wyoming's history as the crowd overflowed a 10,000-seat arena. 
This is an immense crowd in that sparsely populated state. After all, only 267,000 people even voted in the last election. At the rally, Trump pointed out how weak George W. Bush was in failing to pardon a high-profile victim of political prosecution. That victim was Scooter Libby, a top advisor to Bush's vice president, Dick Cheney. Trump himself had to correct the injustice by pardoning Libby in 2018, a decade after Bush should have done it. At the rally, Trump rightly claimed credit for Attorney General Ken Paxton's 68 to 32 percent victory over George P. Bush in the runoff for Attorney General of Texas. To Trump's point, it may have been former President George W. Bush's weak record on political prosecutions that weighed down George P. Bush in his race against Paxton. Senator John Cornyn tried to help George P. Bush by criticizing Paxton for being under indictment. But that tactic only seemed to backfire. Voters realize now how politicized prosecutions are, and the indictment of a Republican may simply mean that he's being effective. Bush and Cheney also infamously refused to pardon two courageous Border Patrol agents, Jose Campayan and Ignacio Ramos. In fact, George W. Bush merely commuted their prison sentences after a Bush-appointed prosecutor locked them up for decade-long terms for defending our border. Phyllis Schlafly was highly critical of the prosecutions of Border Patrol agents Ramos and Campayan, who were punished based on a confrontation in 2005 with an illegal alien who was smuggling a million dollars worth of illegal marijuana across our border. President Trump granted these Border Patrol agents the full pardons that they deserved. Capitulation to unjust political prosecutions is the hallmark of bad Republican leadership. If we want to change the political outcomes, we have to change the players in the game. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let me give you a list of ways you can get in touch with me. I get some of the listeners that have tracked me down. I don't say it enough. So let me do a couple of things. You can always email me directly. Email me directly at ed at phyllisschlafly.com. ED at phyllisschlafly.com. Always goes right. It goes right to my phone. It's right here. Uh, wherever I am, it's with me. You can also text me. I have a texting line that's been just dedicated. It also goes right to my phone. 314-256-1776. 314-256-1776. Don't worry. It's not my phone number, so it won't ring and mess things up. It's just a texting line that I got because I love that. I, years ago, I got it when I went to, and started a business. I got that number, 1776, so I kept it. I've always kept it all these years. 314-256-1776, 314-256-1776. Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin, over on Gab and others, uh, at Ed Martin, Facebook, Ed Martin Live. But the two easiest ways are ed at phyllishlapway.com and... 314-256-1776. All right, everybody. As always, thank you to Noah and Joanna. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then.
is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.